0: Hi, my name is Ben Atkinson, founder of Functional Health Info and the Functional Health Podcast. I'm trained in both biomedical science and nutrition, and I believe that a holistic and functional approach to health is fundamental to our well-being. I've set out to find some of the leading voices in nutrition and lifestyle medicine, from practitioners to professors and everyone in between. With this podcast, I will share with you their stories, their expertise and their advice, shedding light on the industry from each of their perspectives and providing you with simple tips and tricks to help improve your health from today. This week, I'm delighted to be talking to Angelique Panagos. Angelique is a nutritional therapist, author, and a specialist in the field of women's hormonal health. Using her six pillars of health, and with eight years of clinical experience, she aids her patients in restoring natural hormonal balance, and achieving optimal vitality and well-being. I first heard of Angelique through a friend who recommended her book as an easily accessible guide to healthy living, and I was so excited to speak to her on the show. So, without further ado, Angelique, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
0: So you've described your background beautifully in your book and also in other podcasts, how you've come through and progressed through difficulties with your mental and physical health.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And you really have become an inspiring voice for women. Thank you. Was there a catalyst that propelled you in pursuing better health?
1: Honestly, when I got into the work that I do and I, I really just dived into the whole world of nutrition and lifestyle medicine and functional medicine, it was quite a selfish reason. It was to, and I use this in inverted commas, is to fix myself because I really felt broken. I felt like I had gotten to a point where I couldn't carry on feeling this rubbish for the rest of my life. And I had this conversation with a client just last night saying that this is exactly what I felt. I felt like you can't possibly feel this rubbish always. Uh, So my catalyst was really this complete hormonal imbalance, not menstruating, being constipated, not being able to sleep, not being able to stay awake at the same time, not being able to retain simple information and recall um, memories and and um, old information. And I just thought, I'm far too young to feel like this, even though at what age is it okay to feel like this? Yes. So um, it was definitely, I got to a point where I was burnt out. I was burning the candle at both ends. I was partying like a rock star. I was working really hard and I just really felt horrible the whole time. So um, so my catalyst was my body saying, I don't feel great. And my <laughs> mind saying, you really can't feel like this long-term, so um, yeah.
0: And you really describe many of the conditions that a lot of people experience, mm-hmm. I think. Fatigue, uh, poor memory, lack of sleep, digestive issues. They're all very common ailments. Is this when you decided to pursue nutritional therapy or was that after you got yourself well?
1: So uh, mine was definitely a case of, I'm going to study to become a nutritional therapist so that I can help myself. So so I, I often joke, I'm like, there's two types of people. There's one person that will come and see me as a nutritional therapist. And there's the other person that will actually enroll in a four year course and go and study to become the nutritional therapist that's gonna help themselves. So um, I went to see a nutritional therapist and it was that aha moment. It was, I'd been bounced from doctor to doctor and you know, with all the good intentions and with all the um, work that we were doing, I just was not feeling better. So I thought, well, last call, I'm gonna go and see this person, see if they can help. And within a few months, I was a completely different person. So that's what made me decide that, I mean, three months after the first appointment, I was enrolled to study my nutritional therapy <laughs> course, and um, I haven't looked back. Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled that people often think, wow, this is so, so hippy or tree-huggy, but you know, I'm really grateful that my body took me on that journey mm-hmm. because it, it helped me to, to get better, to feel better. And now I'm in the position where I'm able to help others. And for me, I find that a massive privilege
0: it seems like many people in this industry have a similar story, whether it's themselves or a friend have gone through some health difficulties. And um, so it's wonderful to see you gone full circle.
1: And I feel that we we don't talk about it enough. and And that's what I'm loving about the health industry at the moment. It's booming. People are talking. We're finding our voice. And I feel that. If we talking from a personal experience, people can relate to that. Absolutely, um, I'm not sitting in an ivory tower saying thou shalt not do X, Y, and Z. I've been, I've been through it. You know, I've been through disordered eating, eating disorders, hormonal imbalance, miscarriages, fertility issues. You know, I've been there. I understand it, and I am an absolute advocate of a healthy, balanced lifestyle. Um, an 80-20 way of approaching a lifestyle so that you're not depriving yourself, you're not becoming um, a perfectionist around food and that you're actually enjoying life because all these ailments, these niggly little symptoms that we're not listening to, they can start screaming at us and when they start screaming at us, this is where the body comes to a halt. this is where you are like stopped in your tracks and this is where it starts affecting everything, home life, work life, social life, um, and you as a person.
0: In your books, because you specialize in hormones, you Mm. talk about how these hormones can become out of balance. Mm. Can you explain why these hormones become dysregulated and also what are the telltale signs for people out there
1: that their hormones are becoming dysregulated? So I think, first of all, modern life, it's having a massive effect on our hormones. So I like to think of it when hormones are imbalanced, and this is for men and women, um, we have this amazing endocrine system. It's like the symphonic endocrine system comprised of all these different glands and organs, and they're all talking to each other, even though they seem disconnected. It's just like instruments comprise an orchestra. They're all connected and they work together. And when, when they are balanced, it's like a Viennese waltz. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. You feel great. You're walking on air but let's face it, we're doing the hokey pokey and we're using the wrong feet. And the problem is that modern life is having such a negative impact on on our hormones um, because of the sheer pace that we're living at, because of the stress that we under. If anyone is not stressed, they need to get in touch with me because I need to work out how you've done it as well. Um, and not sleeping and then not eating food. And I say that because there's so many food-like products on the market yes. that we feel like we're eating. It tastes like food. It feels like food. It makes us full like food, but it's void of nutrients and everything together. So it's the lack of sleep. It's the lack of movement. It's the lack of nutrients. It's the stress is having this, Oh, I call it the perfect hormonal storm that's happening within the body. So what we're getting now is symptoms of so, fatigue, it could be pimples, it could be headaches, it could be um, irregular periods, heavy periods, infertility, subfertility, miscarriage, terrible perimenopausal and menopausal symptoms, um, thinning hair, cold hands and feet, belly fat. There's just so many things that actually those are those niggly little symptoms that I mentioned earlier. And those are the things that can start screaming at us.
0: Yes. So it's good to really catch these before it's too late, mm. for example.
1: To acknowledge it, to to actually listen to our bodies, it used to be really cool to be busy. I think it was like, was it the eighties or the nineties? It used to be or the seventies. I can't remember exactly when, but there was a stage where if you were busy, that equaled being cool. And I still hope it's cool to say cool, but <laughs> <laughs> and but in today's age, this busy is having such a negative effect on our health. And what we're not doing is we're not allowing ourselves that downtime to actually even listen to what our body is saying. And I see this time and time again in clinic where I'm sitting in front of a lady who doesn't remember when last she passed stool. I'm just going to put it out there. Poop is extremely important. Like we need to be going daily. Or or people saying to me, oh, but I'm, I'm getting older now, so you go to the toilet less. No. <laughs> no, you don't. So we're not actually listening to these signals and we're not not taking note of them because life is busy and we're just getting on with things.
0: And just because something is normal or happens frequently doesn't mean it's okay or doesn't mean it's healthy. Just look at the burden of chronic disease. These Mm -hmm. people aren't what you would consider healthy, yet it is quite common to get a chronic disease in later life.
1: If we're looking at the health of the populations at the moment, autoimmune conditions are on the rise and We know that autoimmune conditions are more prevalent in females, but they're on the rise across the board and we need to really stop and look at what is going on in the body. So with an autoimmune condition, the body is attacking its own cells. The body is identifying itself as the enemy. So what's going wrong? There's an imbalance in the body. There's an imbalance in our lifestyle. And from my understanding of what's going on, and from my research, is that it's imbalance in, in lifestyle that's causing such a rise in these conditions. And don't even let me get started on obesity and type two diabetes as well. So um, I think we we need to take a step back and really look at it from a bird's eye view, our own lives, and say where can we make changes
0: i think this transitions beautifully onto your six pillars of health Mm. so it's nourish balance nurture cleanse move and restore Mm. and they seem to really help women to almost push the reset button on their current state of health so they can help rebuild themselves is this the model that you used when you were going through your own health issues it's
1: absolutely something that i used myself and it was from the research that I was doing, where I tried it all. So if I tried exercising excessively at one stage; it didn't work. I tried being extremely strict on my eating, you know, to the point where, unfortunately, it led to anorexia. You know, that didn't work. Um, and then I, you know, I tried it all. I tried these crazy. Detoxes, you know, it's almost like a four-letter word now to even say the word detox. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't work. So from my own experience and from my research, because I had to, I dived into it and I was saying, but all these books, and I now know the ones that I was reading were fad diets and things like that. They all telling me I should be doing X, Y, and Z, and it's not working. So I need to dive into it deeper, and that's where my absolute passion for studying and looking into the the, the literature came from. It was understanding what we need to do or what I needed to do. And that's where this biochemical individuality comes in as well because there's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And that's what these six pillars are about. They're about having a look at all six pillars, seeing what you can change within each pillar to start bringing them in on a consistent basis. So not being a perfectionist about it, but what you can bring in on a daily basis, what you can start adding into your life from these six pillars that are going to help you with your balance.
0: So you take a little aspect from each different pillar and just add them into your daily life.
1: So it needs to it be- doesn't have to be
0: overnight, does exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah.
1: So for example, a client with me yesterday in clinic, we were discussing what we were discussing sleep and she was like, okay, that's enough. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna concentrate on my sleep. And that's, that's perfect where another person may be able to do a lot more within a day. So it's again, it's working with what works for your lifestyle because what we don't want is for you to become obsessive about it and then saying, oh, I need to be doing X, Y, and Z because I've been on that side. Mm -hmm. And then that's adding more stress. So if we're looking at the pillars, it's about de-stressing, nurture, restore. They're all about um, looking after the adrenal glands. Without de-stressing, are we digesting our food properly? Are we absorbing our food properly?
0: So coming to the first pillar, nourish. We know that food is an essential part of health. We know that it sustains us and it's life-giving. But not everyone eats well. Yeah. How important is food to our hormonal balance and hormonal health?
1: Our need for food is absolutely primal. No matter what age we're in, technology age, yeah, you still need to be eating your food. And um, But it's almost like we've just taken cooking as a hobby you know and the convenience around food I mean, you can get a chocolate for your your sins for standing in the post office queue you know there's just like convenience food everywhere but our bodies are hardwired and we need foods we need a steady stream of nutrients from the food that we eat for our hormones to function our hormones are made up of some are made up of fats some are made up of proteins but in order for those hormones to be metabolized and synthesized they need cofactors and so therefore we need to be getting nutrients from the food that we eat um and these and food does not need to be boring you do not need to think about oh it's just a salad or it's just a plate of boiled brussels sprouts um you know gone are those days where we thought that was healthy i'm so glad because that's just like a stinky plate <laughs> <So> <laughs> what i feel is that we've Reignited that passion around food if we look at the recipe books that are out there today and food is celebrated again For a lot of people, but for some it's not and I feel like those are the people that we need to To show how delicious food can be
0: and with the wealth of information out there It's not necessary to not enjoy every single forkful that comes into your mouth
1: Yeah,
0: and cooking Mm. I know you advocate cooking and uh, Dr. Rupi at the doctor's kitchen does this beautifully Um, And he advocates cooking for his patients, for for medical doctors as well. Yeah, Yeah, he's great. And it really is the forgotten tool of health. Mm. Because if you don't know how to prepare and cook foods, how are you meant to know how to eat healthy foods?
1: Totally agree with that. And
0: I've enjoyed actually some of your recipes in your book, which are wonderful, by the way. Um, And I I was wondering, have you always had a passion for cooking?
1: So I'm Greek-Italian. Yes. Born and bred in sunny South Africa. Right. Hence the accent. But what that actually meant was... Everything centered around food. If you did well at school, you celebrated with a meal. If you were told off, you celebrated with a meal. Every social gathering was around food. And so I had a vested interest (laughs) in food from a really young age. And uh, my grandmother was amazing at cooking. And I still remember her artichoke dishes that she made. And there was, and my mum, my mum is an incredible cook as well. And so I definitely had this passion. But in my 20s or early, late teens, early 20s, I lost my way and I partied like a rock star and I lived on ready meals and it's like I'd forgotten everything from growing up. So um, it was only when I started back on my course, now I'm talking like about 25, 26, 27, where I learned to enjoy food again because of the eating disorders as well. You know, that just takes out the joy out of food and, um, I'm so pleased I got back to that because I'm a total foodie, and if I don't have enough space in the kitchen, I feel like my energy is stifled, I need to like, be able to create and, and cook, and I find it very therapeutic. So um, I 100 percent agree that cooking is that lost tool, and food is medicine. Hippocrates said that some 2,500 years ago. Yes. You know, that was I remember my first website that was a massive quote on my website i just thought like yes let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food and um i remember sitting on the tube and i was quite shocked when people were eating a piece of fruit because it was like real food because all you see is like these packaged meals and these packaged food so um i'm going i'm giving you the long version here Yes. But for me, food is really important and cooking food can be really therapeutic. And what I'm hoping to achieve with my recipes and with my tips and on social media and on my website is to give the tools to people that aren't necessarily comfortable in the kitchen so that they can put together really nutritious, delicious food. Um, and that can be part of a healthy lifestyle.
0: And I think it's so essential for people that say they don't have time to cook mm and those things just to have a recipe together that they know they, they can go to and rush up, lot, whether it be five, 10 minutes, and know it's a healthy meal. Essentially the same amount of time it would take to put a ready meal in the in exactly. The microwave. Exactly.
1: And that just comes to, I call it the five Ps, and I, get, I got that from my husband. It's the uh, prior planning prevents poor performance. I was amazed at how organized this man was when I met him, and I'm like, how do you do it? It's like, it's the five Ps. So I put that in the book, and it's about planning ahead. So exactly what you said there, A a meal, you could rustle up a meal in the same time it takes to punch the holes and stick that ready meal in the oven. However, if you don't have the ingredients, you can't rustle up that meal. So, this is where planning ahead is so essential, and it's not all about um, crazy food prep. And you see, it's like some Instagram accounts, they are food pressing like a boss. It's like <laughs> incredible. But you don't have to go down that route. It's about having the right ingredients in and um, doing it at your pace. But if you can batch cook, if you can get that right, you can still be sticking something in the oven to heat up. But it's something that you've prepared earlier, a few days ago, a couple of weeks ago, that's uh, nutritious.
0: Um, And on to the second pillar, which is balance. And this (gasps) is a pillar which really resonated with me because I think it's forgotten in conventional healthcare about blood sugar balance and really our digestion. Mm. I'm not not talking about chronic health conditions here, but just everyday digestion and blood sugar balance. Mm. I know um, a psychiatrist, Dr. Kelly Brogan, who practices Mm. out in Manhattan. She's um, amazing. She is fantastic. Mm. But she talks about this all the time and how dysregulated blood sugar through eating refined sugars and refined flours and processed foods can cause mood dysregulation and depressive states. Mm-hmm. Um, is this a pillar which you find needs to be addressed consistently in your practice?
1: Absolutely, and um, I feel that this word gets bounced around a lot, blood sugar balance, or this term, blood sugar balance, to keep your blood sugar balance regulated. And when I was studying, it, there was a big focus on it. And we've, we've actually, And it just shows how science moves and how we're still learning. And that's what's the brilliant thing about science and health is that in those days, in the beginning when we were studying that was eat every two to three hours to balance your blood sugar levels, where we're actually moving away from that model now into giving bigger gaps between meals. But that, I'd like to come back to that in a moment. But this whole blood sugar balance, when we're not... When we eat in these high refined foods and these high sugary foods, what that's doing is it's increasing our blood sugar, which in turn stimulates insulin from the pancreas, which it should do, absolutely. This is a vital part because it's insulin's job is actually, and not to sound dramatic, but it's to keep you alive because high blood sugar can be fatal. And we talk we're talking about prolonged times of this high blood sugar and this high insulin surges then referred to as hyperinsulinemia, so this elevated peaks of insulin, what this is doing, it can actually cause our cells to become desensitized to insulin, so to become insulin resistant. Um, but also what this elevated insulin does is it stimulates the ovaries to produce more testosterone. Okay. And what it also does is it stimulates more testosterone through an enzyme called aromatase to be converted into estrogen. But what it also does is it reduces what I call my sheepdogs, it's sex hormone binding globulin. It's a protein molecule that keeps your testosterone, your free testosterone and free estrogen in check. And if we have this elevated insulin the whole time and we're getting more testosterone, more estrogen and more free testosterone and estrogen, we're seeing a rise then of symptoms like acne, tearfulness, tender breasts, Um, water retention, belly fat, insomnia, hair loss, aggression, low libido, um, irregular periods, heavy periods. So just by looking at one pillar there with blood sugar balance, by doing that, we can actually start alleviating a lot of these niggly little symptoms that I keep speaking about. And I put our gut balance in the same pillar, because we need to really be looking after our digestion. So going back to old Hippocrates, he said that all disease begins in the gut. And if that's where disease begins, that's where health begins as well. And we need our good gut flora, the microbiome. I call them my eco-warriors. These are the guys that are... Important for absorption of nutrients, so those cofactors that help hormone synthesize that we were speaking about. Um, they help fluff out the stool. They help with uh, passing stool, so therefore getting rid of toxins, waste, and spent hormones from the body. So, really essential to health and our hormones. So, looking after, so balancing both blood sugar and our gut is really important.
0: Yes. The microbiome has been linked to also your, your mood, yeah. how you feel. The science is just emerging and it's really amazing where it's going now.
1: Yeah. And it's a, it's something that was a, a massive focus when we were studying. Um, so I loved the lectures. I used to just sit there and just think, I'm, I found my tribe. You know, this is what I need to be hearing. This all resonates and this all makes sense. And what we're seeing now is that, you know, IBS, for example, is is an umbrella term and I feel like it's any symptom from your mouth to your bum and then we're gonna call it IBS if we're not finding out what it is, but there are triggers with IBS and it's a condition that makes you feel horrible and you know, A lot of my IBS clients, they know where every single bathroom is in the whole of London because of the urgency to go, Uh, or it's swinging the other way where they're completely constipated. And I just feel that if we start looking after that microbiome, if we start really paying attention to what looking after the digestion actually means, then these symptoms are gonna start alleviating. And I think you've seen this firsthand yourself.
0: Moving on to your third pillar, mm-hmm. there's a growing scientific evidence around breath work and meditation and how it can reduce the stress hormone cortisol. Mm-hmm. And it seems that the more that we do things that we enjoy, we have more stress resilience. If we allow ourselves to read a book, for example, give time to ourselves. And these are important aspects of your nurture pillar. Yes. What techniques do you find most effective with your clients to help reduce their stress levels?
1: I um. I like a technique called four seven breathing. It's really simple. Belly breathings, as women especially, I find that we walk around sucking in our bellies all the time. Well, I certainly do. But belly breathing is about letting it all hang loose. You've got to really breathe into the belly. And it's just breathing in for the count of four and out for the count of seven. And at first you might not get to seven, that's fine, just breathe in again and breathe out. To start off this breathing, you know, put your hand on your chest and on your belly and see which hand rises and without judgment, just take a note of which hand is rising. And a lot of the time, it's the chest that rises first because that's where stress breathing happens. What we do with this breathing technique is, and what research is showing, is that it flips us into parasympathetic nervous system. So that's your calming nervous system.
0: Rest and digest. That's it, exactly. Mm -hmm.
1: So I call it rest, digest, and hormones. This is where you're able to get this balance in for, It actually just gives you that moment of clarity, I find, especially, that you get out of your own head for a second. You're concentrating on your breath. So I get my clients to do that morning, afternoon, and evening, 10 breaths. If they have insomnia and they wake up in the middle of the night, breathe. Um, If you're stressed at work, breathe. On your commute home, breathe. Do wherever you can. There's another uh, technique that I absolutely love called sophrology. I mention it in the book as well. And uh, my dear friend is actually, she's just brought out a book on sophrology now called The Healing Power of Sophrology. And I'd highly recommend that. And it's all about this technique and the breathing techniques. Um, And I, I personally use sophrology. I see her personally for sessions. And it makes the world of difference to get out of our own heads for a minute because life is busy i keep banging on about that but we like heads with legs just whizzing from one thing to the next and this is having a catastrophic effect catastrophic without being over dramatic here on hormones on digestion and on health in general
0: absolutely and even i know you said we're like heads on legs and life is busy but even silence seems to be busy for some people some people find it very difficult just to sit down mm. sit still and be Um, alone with their own thoughts just because they're thinking about so much all the time so just having that ability to to calm the mind and the body yeah is really powerful
1: and i I find that a lot of people also get annoyed with meditation because they can't be silent. I'm a chatter mind. I mean, I'm a chatterbox, as you can hear, but <laughs> my mind can go off and just do its own thing and keep me up. So I like a guided meditation in that respect. So with the 4-7 breathing, you're counting, so you're concentrating on the count. Um, but if that still doesn't co- help you quieten the mind, then get a guided meditation. There's so many apps that we can use today. Um, and then also with sophrology as well, just listening to um Listening to your practitioner talk you through the practice can be really helpful. So if anyone is struggling with meditation and not being able to quiet the mind, then looking into different things like guided meditation, even maybe doing something like a Tai Chi where it's more in movement, um, that can also be really helpful.
0: And just moving on for, to the cleanse, session because mm. I'm just conscious of time. Everyone's gone through, or most people have gone through, a detoxing fad diet. Mm-hmm. Um, what does cleanse mean for you and how do you define cleanse?
1: So cleanse for me is bringing in foods on a daily basis that help the body to do its work. So um, at the moment, like I said earlier, it's like if you say detox, it's like you've said a four-letter word at someone. <laughs> and, but the body is amazing. The body can detox. That's what the body does. If it didn't, we wouldn't be here. Um, the liver's amazing. The kidneys are amazing. We've got these incredible detox organs. However, we are not living the life we were genetically programmed to live in the sense of we're not getting the right nutrients in, we're not getting the right foods in, we're highly stressed. So what my cleanse pillar is, is bringing in the foods on a daily basis that I've identified that will help the body with its process of detoxification. I call them my detox warriors. I have a name for everything, as you can hear. But these detox warriors are things like cruciferous vegetables, which um, are broccoli, kale, Brussels sprouts, cabbage. There's um, spinach, peppers, blueberries. They're all the foods that can help with that detoxification process. And as I said, we're so fortunate today that we have recipes that help these foods Taste nice and not just like a fart i don't know if i can say that. <laughs> but you know just like you can
0: yeah. on this podcast it's
1: no problem <laughs> so to get it to taste really good so that you're bringing in these foods on a daily basis but also detoxing your environment so cleansing your environment toxins our thyroid for example is extremely sensitive to external toxins um they're called xeno estrogens and um we really need to be paying attention to them i'm greek so xeno is how you say xeno it means foreign it's a foreign estrogen that comes into the body it mimics your estrogen in your body but it's it's an imposter it's it doesn't do the real deal and we're looking at simple things like air fresheners we're looking at um the chemicals you use at home, we're looking at the chemicals you use in your garden. We live in this world where there's over 80,000 different chemicals in the environment. 80,000, like, yeah. short of living in a glass bubble, you know, what can we do? So that's where cleanse comes in because you're actually helping your body to do what it needs to do.
0: Even just the, the products that we use on our skin, mm. um, and the and you mentioned xenoestrogens, and a lot of them come from plastics. Yes. So even, a cleanse you can have all these foods to help get rid of these toxins i almost think cleanse could be just removing these things yeah from, that's from your daily life yeah right.
1: so that's that's so that's part of the pillar is removing those toxic and not being not being taken in by the word natural because the word natural is not regulated so if a air freshener says natural what does that mean natural fragrance These natural fragrances, we have no idea what they mean. Or perfumed, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? So where's that derived from? So what we need to do is, unfortunately, we have to become a little bit cynical. Um, We need to really look at what we're doing, look at the labels, and question. We need to question, because marketing and adverts are extremely clever. And I feel like they're just getting cleverer and cleverer every year. And like, I have a 16-month-old daughter, and... I'm really scared for the time that she's my age these adverts are just days day and age where marketing has gone and adverts have gone they're extremely clever and they are influential and we have people speaking of influence we have people that are now named influencers that are promoting some products that they may say healthy on the tin or they may say natural but what does that actually mean and you know it's just clever marketing Yes,
0: and natural doesn't necessarily mean healthy. Exactly. Which people have to be aware of. Another thing which Rangan uh, speaks about is a digital detox, Mm. which is completely getting yourself away from, whether it be blue light from your phone, your laptop, anything like that. And also... I suppose it's a quite a controversial topic. You get away from EMFs, and we don't really know what the what, what kind of effect that has yeah, on our absolutely. body yet. So I think that's a really important one as well, which people can do. I mean, it's quite difficult to do, but people can do it.
1: It's very difficult. And I think you know all of us are talking about the de- digital detox mm. on social media using <laughs> a device. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> which, um, in today's day and age, we, we are the guinea pigs. We are the guinea pigs with a mobile phone. No one else has used it for as long as what we have when we in our 60s, 70s, we have gonna have used it for, what, 40 years plus? And we don't actually know what that's going to do to us. So doing a digital detox is really important. And we're going to bed with our iPads and our laptops instead of our partners. And we're having this blue light coming at us all the time, which is affecting our circadian rhythm, which in turn is affecting cortisol and melatonin, which in turn is affecting our hunger and satiety hormones, ghrelin and leptin. So in order for us to find this balance, and it's another thing I talk about in, in the book, is that we need to have a, a curfew. We need to say, okay, digital, digital time is over, and we need to maybe um, really set that in stone and not take our phones to bed with us. I have a rule, no phones in the bedroom. So we need to, unfortunately, because it's so easy to do, we actually need to put these things into place. Yes. Otherwise, they won't happen.
0: Yeah, having a break from these electronic devices certainly won't cause harm. When having them around for for all of your life might. Exactly. That's, that's key. Movement, fifth pillar. Yes. Now, and we all heard the old um, saying, "Sitting is the new smoking." Mm-hmm. It's not the old saying; it's a very new saying. But sitting is the new smoking. So, what do you have to say for people which can't find the time to move?
1: Movement is so important and we're becoming more and more sedentary. Life is busy. We're spending more time at work. We're sitting down at our desks and we're not getting our natural movement in. And for some of us, exercise comes more easily than to others. And um, it doesn't always have to be a lycra and sweatband situation. You don't have to be training for a marathon. You don't have to be going for for um, long training sessions. And a lot of research is actually showing now that it's your shorter training sessions. It's your hit, It's the uh, quick burst of exercise that's having an even better impact than long um, two-hour sessions in the gym. I personally don't think we should be doing two hour sessions in the gym, but just getting some movement in in a day, uh, going for a walk, doing some yoga, go to a Zumba class, put a Zumba on on YouTube, We just spoke about digital detox, but put it on on YouTube and dance in your living room. You just get some form of movement in. There's a great book by Daryl Edwards from Primal Play. Um, He's just published it called Animal Moves. And it's all about how we're not moving like we used to or like we designed to move. And it's about bringing different movement in. And I noticed how my little daughter, crawls and, well, she's walking now, but she sometimes still does these little crawl movements and how her body moves differently to what my body does. So I try and mimic that at times to see like, what does that feel like? And it's a completely different movement because I'm used to sitting. So now I'm on the floor with her trying to do all these different things. And it actually gets me out of breath at times. But it just shows that we're not moving the way we should be doing. And that's why I think Daryl's book is so amazing as well.
0: You suggest in the book that it's so good for your mood, how movement and exercise can elevate your mood and be really good for your hormones. Yes, because of the endorphins.
1: So it it has a very positive effect on hormonal balance. However, there's always a caveat, isn't there? However, excessive exercise has the opposite effect. So with excessive exercise, we're actually stimulating more cortisol that it can give rise to more hormonal imbalance.
0: The last pillar is restore. Some people might have gone through all five pillars and think, are we we not restored already? (laughs) (laughs) Can you please describe what the sixth pillar restore entails?
1: So restore is that old me time self-care that word is being bounced around like crazy at the moment um and it's so important because we talk about self-care but are we actually doing it so restore is about getting to bed at a decent hour restore is about having a good sleep routine so a dark room making sure that we're able to stimulate proper uh, melatonin a quiet room not too hot uh, restore is about getting lost getting lost in a book getting lost in a forest you know, just getting that all-important me time because um, when we're looking at self-care, it's a necessity, not a luxury.
0: I couldn't agree more, especially in um, today's society. Many people don't give themselves time just to relax. They have to be on their phone, on their iPad, speaking to someone, have the TV on. Going on a walk and reading a book is alien to some people. Giving that time or allowing yourself to have that time can be so powerful for your health and relaxation. Your own mindset certainly was for me.
1: And I feel that we need to put it as an appointment in the diary. Yes. This is my time. We need to put our movement as an appointment in the diary. Non-negotiable appointment. I may not change that appointment. I'm going to get some movement. I'm going to get some rest. I'm going to relax. I'm going to have a hot bath. I'm going to have a foot spa. It can just be a bucket of water warm water at home, stick your feet in a bucket, sit there and relax. You know, it doesn't have to be spending money. That's the other thing that people think wow, I need to spend a lot of money. But it's about finding those little pockets of time that are just for you. Do your 4-7 breathing. Mm-hmm. Write the things you're grateful for down on a piece of paper. You know, people find that quite tree-huggy and but there's a lot of research that shows about this attitude of gratitude as well. And, and I think that's why all these pillars are so important in hormonal balance because it's creating this lifestyle that brings about balance um, as opposed to looking at it again from a perfectionist
0: Two more questions. How important do you think is the collaboration of healthcare professionals when you're treating your patients? Do you collaborate with chiropractors, doctors, dietitians?
1: Absolutely. My My practice is integrative and I believe that healthcare is so much bigger than just one person. I can't do it all. And I'm so fortunate that I'm able to collaborate with doctors, gynecologists, osteopaths, chiropractors, personal trainers, um, people on on social media, so doctors on social media where we can actually even just come together to, to do a, a live together, a Facebook live, an Instagram live, a post together where we're getting that message out so that people have access to this information. For me personally, it's very important that we have an integrative healthcare system. And I'm so pleased that this is where we're going at the moment. I'm so pleased that people are open and receptive to this, that everyone is noticing that, hang on a sec, We need to draw on each other's strengths and it's about a client-centered practice as well and it's about the client or the patient being supported and feeling supported in this community, in this organization, in this area where they feel supported from all their different practitioners working together for their clients' goals.
0: The integration of healthcare professionals is Mm. so important in this day and age to achieve optimal health for everyone's patients. And we need
1: to be talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And I am a firm believer of that, and I'm really not shy either. I get hold of the people that I feel will help my clients the best, my patients the best, and for me it's extremely important that we have this integrative approach, that we're all talking to each other. We need to be talking to each other. And I found that when I was going through my own health issues – I felt a disconnect between the different people that I was seeing. And um, that's definitely something that has stayed with me and why in my practice, I um, ensure that the client and the patients feel supportive, and that they know that the one hand is talking to the other, that we are all having a discussion about their primary goals and what's best for them.
0: One last question. What are three tips you can give to the people listening to help them control their hormonal health?
1: Sugar has to go. So uh, easier said than done, but making a conscious decision and a conscious effort to remove the refined sugars from the diet and the refined carbohydrates can be a fantastic help for hormonal balance. Um, Two, getting as much nutrients in. So look at your food as information. Look at where are my nutrients coming from? How can I nutrient boost this meal? And three, get some rest. Make that me time get your rest in, get to bed on time and make time for yourself.
0: Three powerful messages. Thank you so much. Well, Angelique, that brings the podcast to a close. I just wanted to thank you um, for your time. It's been wonderful having you and I really hope to speak to you again soon.
1: Thank you so much. I've absolutely enjoyed it and I'm really excited to see how well your podcast does.
0: Thank you for listening to the Functional Health Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Angelique Panagos. You can find links to Angelique's website and the balance plan in the show notes, as well as everything else that we discussed today. If you want to support the podcast, please subscribe and don't forget to check out the other episodes available in the series. I would love it if you got in touch on social media through Instagram and Twitter and let me know what you think. As always, Thanks to Josh Aurelia for the editing and Alan Harper for his support.